stumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from 9 to 5 You were listening to 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton As Christians, it's easy to view our work and our walk with Christ as two separate lives that never intersect. In fact, when asked the question by the Barna Group, what are Christian responsibilities within the workplace? 82% of Christian workers answered, act ethically. 74% answered, always speak the truth. 72% answered, demonstrate morality. But only 58% answered to do excellent work to glorify God. Only 53% of this survey agree that their churches gave them a better understanding of how they can live out their faith in the workplace. It's interesting that the majority of Christian workers surveyed in this study understand their responsibility at work based on their morality rather than their identity. Tim Keller would say this is the case because the church is not producing fully formed Christians. There are a lot of Christians who kind of seal their faith off from their work. That is to say, because they never got any help from their pastors anyway, they, they, they really don't even think out what the relationship is between their faith and their work. There are a lot of very non-Christian philosophies that are dominating a lot of areas of work. And uh, if a Christian isn't discipled, they're just going to go along with the spirit of the age. They also will probably be getting less joy out of their work. Uh, they may actually not be doing their work in a, in the, in a distinctively Christian way. So for a lot of reasons, uh, if the minister doesn't disciple his people, it means the community in general is not getting uh, fully Christian workers. So what difference does it make in the life of a believer if they are taught correctly by the church the value of their work? For Jason Burgess, it changed everything. Jason is an ordinary husband, father, Christian counselor, deacon, and business owner. You probably have never heard of or met Jason, but how he views the Christian life and work ethic should challenge you. On this episode of Christians You Should Know, we are going to explore Jason's story and how he came to have a profound understanding of how Christians should live and work. All right, Jason, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? Couple eggs. I usually, uh, but this morning I had two eggs. I actually had a little bit of sausage this morning too, but I usually have either old fashioned oatmeal or a boiled egg or a couple of scrambled eggs. That's all I do. Get me something to get me to lunchtime. You know, you, you've inspired me. You've gone on the low carb diet. You just totally went all in, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, I don't do no carbs, but I do, I try to keep them down. It's hard, man. I love them. <laughs> me I mean, too. I mean, those, Taters are good. You know? <laughs> yes, you know? they are. So, no, but I, I just, just to try to keep, stay a little healthier. Um, my wife is, she's really good at uh, knowing what's in foods and, and what's good for us. So I kind of follow her lead on what I eat. Uh, but um, it's hard, man, because bad stuff is really, really good. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> it is. And there's some illustration from that for life, right? Yep. You know, it's just crazy. It's the flesh. That's right. Yeah. So tell me about, you You mentioned your wife. Just give, for our listeners, just a brief description about you, your family, um, okay. where we're sitting right now, and okay. then we'll dive in. Okay. We're in my office. 
Name my company is Senior Plan Advisors in Wake Forest, North Carolina. We're broker, independent brokers of, of Medicare coverage. But I'm originally from the Panhandle of Florida. Little town in Walton County, just over the bay from Destin, Defuniac Springs, Florida. I'm married to Alicia. We've been married 23 years. Um, we uh, met, we both went to Florida State in the early to mid nineties. And that's where we met. And, uh, I, I originally, we moved back home. Well, actually I started working in the car business, started selling cars and, um, I did real estate for a little while. My family was, is in, in real estate, um, back home in the panhandle. And, but then I decided to get in the car business in Tallahassee area, started selling cars. I've always just loved selling in the car business and my, late 20s was pretty interesting so i started selling cars there did that for a while and moved up into management there and eventually wind up buying into a as a minority owner into a small chevrolet buick dealership did that for 10 years and i um went through a pretty tough time where i went i needed some counseling and i went to um a biblical christian counselor um and really really lord really used it to help me um and alicia my wife and so then i started thinking i'd really like to become equipped to do that to help others and so um let's pause there for a second so i've been to a psychiatrist i've been Mm -hmm. to all kinds of counselors for you what was so different about meeting with a christian counselor that you're like this is so different from any type of counseling overhead that I, I want more of this yeah um the model that the one of the reasons i love it, it first of all i believe it's it's you know the key is how people what's wrong with us you know because of the fall we're separated and from our creator and that causes us to sin and how we change and how how real change happens is within the heart um you know we can work on things externally and we can, like we can eat better and exercise better and that'll help and we can serve people. But really what the target is, the heart for real change. And that really made a difference in my life. And and another thing too was when I met with the guy, it was not a, a like an expert or an expert and a patient relationship. It was a center walking along a, another center and just helping them, um, helping them to get back to where they need to be to be involved in the mission of God. And I just love that concept and just the, the, the homework he had us do and the, the truths he had me read, the scripture he had me read and along with the help of the Holy Spirit, it changed me. And so it was just to me, I, I, looking, looking at my life, our lives, Alicia and our lives and what we were doing and at the time and what I was doing, we were involved in the church. Um, and the question of, so how, how can we be the hands and feet of Christ? And that really, I think with the counseling, the reason I want to do it is it really gives us an opportunity to, to help people hurting, um, to help people who are in bad places, and to um, the opportunity to share the gospel too. And you really get, to, in, in counseling, you really get to be on the front row seat of watching the Holy Spirit move. And so... We wind up 
leaving Defuniac, I, I sold one of the most difficult decisions I ever made in my life was leaving my partners um, back home in, in the panhandle. Really, still really close to those guys, but it was hard to say. Partners in your car dealership. Car dealership. Yeah, because I, I wanted to go, I wanted to, I wanted to go sit in a seminary class. I really did. Wait a second. What did Jason say? He sells his shares in his car dealership to go to a seminary? What's happening to Jason? In every normal business scenario, this would be a bad idea. To sell in the middle of absolute success. But Jason was missing something. He wanted more. He wanted to know more. Let me connect some of the dots in this story. So you go from the panhandle of Florida, mm-hmm. from clubbing it, Club La Vila... <laughs> You know, which you've well, uh, been there once, maybe. I, I, yeah. Uh, to knowing there. Jesus, mm-hmm. to owning a car dealership, go to a Christian counselor, and then from that experience say, you want to go to seminary. But yeah. you, but from what I know about you, you didn't go to seminary to say, hey, I want to be a pastor. I want to go mm-hmm. to established church. Explain a little bit what your primary reason was for going into seminary. Well, I... Uh, we didn't really know, you know, we were open to going into ministry or even we were thinking maybe the mission field, but I did know I wanted to study counseling because I think that's a, something that the, the church is really lacking in helping people. You know, it's unfortunate that the church um, can, we can farm that out and we mm-hmm. send them to, you know, humanists and, you know, they're just really missing the boat with, dealing with their problems now don't get me wrong i think obviously when there's there's only different levels that the church can be involved so if you've got physiological problems or you know you work with medical doctors but and it's not like i'm anti getting counseling outside of the church but i just think that i wanted to help with the church with that and so when we came here um i I really didn't have the intention of we thought of maybe the mission field or whatever, but I, I, I haven't at this point. I've never really feel called to be on staff at a church. But I'll say this to anybody: if they can go to seminary, I don't know if you, and you may not be able to. It just the Lord worked it out, thankfully for us. But I was able to sit for five years and really think through and sit under some great teaching who Christ is. Is he who he said he is? Because I was a believer, and I am a believer, but I, like everybody, I struggle with unbelief, and I've never, I, at that point, I'd never really studied the objections to Christ and objections to, is the word of God inerrant? Is it inspired? So that five years, and it, it may not be, you know, that you can do that. If not, take some classes or do some studying at that level. I would encourage everybody to do it. But I really am a better disciple maker because of it. Really more effective, I believe, more effective in evangelism and definitely in counseling. So I just think for all of us who are spirit-filled believers who were dead and now we're alive, and our calling is to be the hands and feet of Christ and to be involved in this mission. You know, in, in the intern, I was taught in seminary in my internship that we're saved out of sin into the church for the mission of God. Did you hear what Jason said? Let's play it again. You're saved out of sin into the church for the mission of God. Jason had a mind shift. He came to seminary to be a better Christian and a better counselor so that he could be a better worker. I think it's easy to believe that the church work or working at or with a church is the only way we do Christian work, but we would be wrong. John Piper explains it this way. 
thing I want to say is I totally believe in secular work, meaning non-church work. We're all ministers. We're all priests, priests to the believer. And so I'm not drawing that kind of distinction. I'm just saying as far as the office goes, your priesthood may be at a computer company or nursing or doctor or carpentry or whatever, and my priesthood happens to be in pastoring. So I'm totally there, and I believe the Bible says we should be staying generally where we are, and only if God leads in a clear way should we leave the job we're in when we're saved. So the, the counsel I would give is seek to do your work in such a way that Christ looks more important than your work. Seek to make and use money in such a way that Christ looks more important than money. Seek to have relationships with people in the workplace such that Christ is more important than those relationships. And so wherever you are, whatever that role is, and no role within the body is greater than the other. You know, a lot of us can't. Most of us can't preach and teach, but we are gifted in other ways. But those giftedness, as far as how you are spiritually and how much you know and how you grow in your knowledge of, of his word, those gifts are better used and more, um, I guess you would say, more effective when you've been educated and discipled in that. So that, that was it. I really just want to be more effective. And I'll tell you this. It gave us an opportunity just to trust God, and that was kind of exciting. What was next for Jason was a shift, a career shift, and a theological shift to properly understand the value of his work. How are we going to do this? I didn't have any idea. I mean, what, are we going to sell insurance? I never sold insurance, but we did. On this episode of Christians You Should Know, is sponsored by Honest Car Payment. In a world where buying a car is often misleading and dishonoring to God, Honest Car Payment has created a redeeming way to buy and refinance a car. Just listen to Aku and Lynette's story in Hawaii as they interacted with Honest Car Payment. Aloha, I'm Aku, and this is my wife, Lynette, and we're from Kalihi. When we first bought our Nissan Frontier, we thought we had a good deal, but yet we were wrong. Our interest was 24%. We called Honest Car Payment and got a new loan right away. We saved over $18,000. That type of money is going to change our life. If your car payment is too high, don't settle. You have options. Call Honest Car Payment today at 534-1234 or visit honestcarpayment.com. I want to transition just for a second. Earlier, you mentioned that you're in the insurance business, specifically mm -hmm. the Medicare supplement, mm -hmm. uh, Medicare Advantage market, so mm -hmm. the Medicare product market. Um, for those who don't know what Medicare supplement, Medicare Advantage is, first explain that, mm -hmm. and then walk through both um, how you use that as an avenue to practice the gospel intentionally, how you okay. actually use the product you're selling and the people you're selling to, because some people may not know the unique population that yeah. you're selling to. yeah. So there's 10,000 people a day turning 65 in America. So it's a it's a growing market. A lot of insurance people are getting into it now. I, a lot of people don't do like I do, which mainly what I do is Medicare coverage because it's confusing and there's a lot of, every year there's a lot of education you have to do. 
So what it is is when someone turns six, turns sixty-five, and they've been paying in over the years, or their spouse has been paying into FICA taxes over the years, they become Medicare eligible. Medicare is the federal government's insurance plan for people that are turning sixty-five or people with certain disabilities. And the problem with just Medicare is it only covers eighty percent and has deductible and doesn't include prescription coverage. So what's happened is these these companies, most of the major companies, offer solutions for that gap and it's either a medigap or a medicare advantage plan and that's what i do is i specialize in that i'm an independent broker with all the major companies and i help people through that process um so that's what i do that's the insurance agency that i have that's what we do mainly uh, me and i've got a couple other agents and that and i'm starting to train and 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 um, work with other agents now now that the business is is doing well on its own, I'm I'm starting to reach out and train, and um, eventually we'll get into that more. But so with my situation though, when I sit down with people, like I sat down with a lady right where you're sitting two hours ago, she came in, single lady, turning sixty five, pretty distraught because she's needing to retire now. Um, She's all confused and scared. She's fine. And so um, I don't know, like with her, with, you know, I don't, I don't know where she is spiritually, but immediately in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go with this conversation? And because of what I do, I talk about next level stuff like health care, end of life care, um, money. And so I usually have to go deeper than, you know, how are you doing? Where are you from? And that usually lends to people telling me their stories, which lends to gospel conversations a lot. Mm. I, I get to share the gospel a lot um, with folks. But I, I, what I'm looking at is that, you know, this it's really a ministry, this business, because I, I really, the, the setup of it is that I just help people and it doesn't cost them to work with me. I help a lot of folk like that lady left at ease. She felt better, you know, and if the Holy Spirit leads, I try to go there. Um, if they want to talk about that, um, of course, you know, with sharing the gospel, what's it? They say like one in 20. So you just, they're even interested. So I'm careful with it though. I don't beat them over the head with the Bible. Um, but I'm also, if the Holy Spirit's leading in it and he does at times, I will, it'll turn into a gospel conversation. Um, and I continue to pursue those people. Um, some of the folks that come to the Bible study that I've had over the years are um, clients of mine who I've continued to share with. So um, I, I, I get to talk to a lot of people. Um, I love the, um, I'll tell you this, I love the the senior population. They're very loyal. Um, and they appreciate someone who does the basic things like returns a call and uh, looks out after them. So, you know, the the, the business model of, of washing feet, mm. you know, is very lucrative. Yeah. Now, we shouldn't do it for the money, but we should do it because Jesus said, I did this, now you do this. Right. And so whatever business you're in, if you're just taking care of people in a big way, I mean, if you're looking out for them. If you're sitting down with people and helping them, even though you're not going to make a dime on them, it comes around. They refer folks. I mean, I would say, of, and I help a lot of people that I never will make a dime on, but I would say 
half the time that I do that, they refer someone or they come back to me two years later and they, I, I wind up making some money on it in some way. But that the concept of, of just being a what you should be in a follower of Christ in business, it, it really does grow a business. If you notice, Jason is revealing a life change. That his understanding of the Christian life is less about what he can do and more about who Christ is. For Jason, his whole business ethic is modeled after Jesus. He doesn't have to do fancy sales tactics or Jedi mind tricks. He just lives his life to the glory of God with excellence, and the Lord blesses it. Wayne Grudem describes this as the unique identifier that separates Christians in business from everyone else. A non-Christian approach to ethics will collect and analyze human opinions about morally right and wrong decisions and try to reason to some conclusions. But a Christian approach takes into account God and the Bible. We believe as Christians that uh, God is in charge of the universe. He is the one who is sovereign over our lives, and he has the authority to tell us what is right and wrong. And so a Christian approach to ethics takes into account God and his presence, but also his words to us in the Bible, because there he has told us about ethical decisions, about moral right and wrong. And so a Christian approach to ethics comes with the authority of God rather than just merely human opinion. In addition, uh, a Christian approach to ethics realizes that it isn't just words from God and then we obey them. It's also in daily activities we are to live our lives in the presence of God, aware of his presence with us, and aware that uh, we are accountable to him and we should seek to please him in all that we do day by day. That's a completely different concept than a a secular approach to ethics. Um, I read a book years ago when I was in the car business called Raving Fans, and it was this guy that, I think he owned a Cadillac dealership, and his whole deal was, with every one of his customers, he was trying to create raving fans. And um, that's what I try to do, business-wise, is I just try to love them, and look out after them, speak truth to them, never do something for them that's not what's best for them, you know? Never um, sell them something they don't need, or don't want, it that that's short term you know yeah you may make a buck or two more this month but long term it's going to pay you a lot more money than that quick sale if you sold them this or that but when the pharisees heard that he had silenced the sadducees they gathered together and one of them a lawyer asked him a question to test him teacher which is the great commandment in the law and he said to him you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the great and first commandment And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. If you're listening to Jason, woven into the fabric of his Christian DNA is the model given by Jesus. He is saying, I do business with excellence because of what Jesus has already done for me in the gospel. And out of my great love and thankfulness for that, I should be excellent in all that I do. I also love others in this process more than I love my own self because that's the model in business Jesus has laid out for us. So if you're listening to this and you feel despair and maybe even hopelessness, stop. I've been where you have been. Even as a Christian for a period of time, I operated under a Machiavellian view of business that was focused on my glory and my own self-love, where the ends truly justified the means. Some of this was pure sinfulness, 
But I would say that the other part was an improper theology of work and a lack of understanding that what I did outside the church mattered to God. So for those of you just getting started or just need a reminder, here's what Jason has to say to you. So I would say, first of all, get equipped. If you haven't been discipled, be discipled. Um, you can find folks to do it um, within your local church, hopefully, or find someone or someone that you know that can disciple you. Um, and then just take that to your business. Um, you'll find that, or I found, and, and this was the way it was in the car business too. Um, I did real estate a little bit before the car business, and it was the same way. Um, you take care of people because they're, you've been, if you take care of people because you were dead and now you're alive, mm. and your Savior says they're, they're image bearers of mine, the business will come. People are attracted to that kind of love. So take it one customer at a time. Um, and then just as it, as your business goes along, pray over it for guidance on, okay, what do we do at this level? If you want to keep going, you may not want to. I, I kind of wrestle with that now is how big do I want my business to go? Right now I'm able to go um, help on mission trips a lot. I'm able to... Um, spend a lot of time studying for teaching and for counseling. So there's a sweet spot in there somewhere, Lord, where do you want me to be? You know, it's not just all about how big it gets. But if you are talented and you can make money and you can make money and glorify Christ, by all means do it. Just don't keep it. Give it away. Pay off your debt, live on a budget, and give it to the mission of God. Um I think that's the that's the route. But whatever you get into, you know, as far as as the believers in the workplace, we may not be the most talented, but we should be the most diligent and some of the hardest workers and the most conscientious. You know, if you're working for unbelievers or with unbelievers, they should look at you and be like, "Man, they're really dependable and good at what they do," because we're not working for them, right? Mm. We're working for our Savior. Um, so there, there's another thing too in entrepreneurial and sales and all that's difficult that I that I wrestle with a lot is so my job at work is is basically a lot of it is self promotion. I'm trying to convince people to do business with me because we're good at what we do and they can trust us. So and that's part of my job, you know. When people sit down with me, I'm trying to convince them. I really am. That's my job is convince them to do business with us. Well, the gospel is opposite of that. Philippians 2, you know, put others before you. And then when Jesus used the parable, take the worst seat at the banquet, you know. So wrestling with that as a believer, the mission of God is for me to glorify him and not self-promote. The flesh in me wants to promote everywhere I go, you know, because of the fear of man issues that most of us struggle with. So how do I do that? And then how do I, and how am I a good business person that's promoting senior plan advisors and Jason Burgess in our mission here? Um, and there's ways you can do it. I've grown in it just by simply studying the gospel and asking God, help me. That'd be a great book. And I'm sure there's probably one written <laughs> on how do we reconcile the gospel and Christ promotion versus self-promotion in a capitalistic um, entrepreneurial world. It can be done. That, that book, Rescue and Ambition, is it oh, Harvey? Yeah. He 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 does a good job on that, but it still didn't quite. I, I still struggle with that. Um, how that's done. Um, 
because you do need to self-promote a certain extent. I mean, you need to do some advertising if you do, or mailers, or or when you sit down with people, or when people ask you, why should I do business with you? But then you also want to honor Christ in it. Um, so that's just something to wrestle with. I think that, that, that's that's a whole topic. Yeah. Um, that's another podcast. We should do this again, do a whole other hour just on that. I don't know. You could pull in somebody. That'd be good to do like with the Harvey guy. Or it would be, I tell you what, with... And they're out there. You know they are. You'll probably interview them. But ultra successful. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are really successful business people that say they're Christians, and they probably are. But to find one, a man or a lady that's really a follower of Christ and really wants to honor him, how did they get to where they were? With How did they reconcile that self-promotion versus Christ promotion, you know? Mm. Um, it's difficult. You know, because for me it's difficult because my nature and my at this point in my life, one of the main sin struggles I have is approval of people. I've always kind of been there, but it seems to as I grow spiritually, it seems to attack more. It's difficult to um, reconcile that. And then when I get in God's Word or and I listen to His teaching every Sunday, and it's saying to me, "But you first shall become last, and promote Him, not us." Um, I struggle with it. But now another thing that's helped me with that as I think this through is the older I get and the stronger I get spiritually, the more I can see blind spots and sin in my own life. And I realize, man, the last thing people need to be looking at is me. Hmm. So as I grow spiritually, God in his mercy reveals to me, he's got a whole lot of more scaffolding <laughs> to do, hmm. to, 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 to change and to do surgery on me. So that's helped because I, I, as I grow, I really do see, man, I'm really pretty jacked up here. Hmm. They don't need to be seeing me. They need to be seeing him, hmm. you know? So anyway, that's mine. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're just getting started in business and life, what Jason just said is gold. Um, from a guy who had somewhat of a successful career in business, there is a wake of dead bodies um, of where I've just had to learn um, from where it was all about me. And so yeah. um, what Jason is saying is if you want to do business the right way, uh, if you want to do business in a way that honors the Lord, um, I would encourage you to re-listen to this podcast uh, a couple times over. Because um, what he's saying is, while yet simple, um, is it? It is the key, is, is elevating Christ, glorifying Him. Last question, Jason. Let me say, before, yeah, go ahead. there's no easy way to do that. That's right. It, it just takes growing in him, confession of sin, mm. brothers walking along, brothers and sisters, if you're if you're a female walking alongside you, looking into your heart, asking you hard questions, um, listening to God's word being taught, both at the local level and there's so many different teachings out there. Now you can listen to podcasts, just listening to it. There's no easy way to, to root out that self-promotion. You just got to get in and dig in it and look at yourself and realize, you know what, if you think, first of all, if you think highly of yourself, you don't need to. <laughs> you're not all that in a bag of chips. I don't care who you are. You might be pretty cool and you're good at playing ball or golf or real good salesperson or whatever, but you're, you're just, we're dead bones without Christ. We're, we're um, you know, we are. We're, we're filthy as rags. So anyway, I just would say that as far as reading that out, that's I think that's a lifelong sanctification process Absolutely. that you got to keep in in check and really labor. Mm. Draw near to Him; He'll draw near to you. Labor in that, not to earn favor with God. We got to be careful with that, 
but labor in, I want to root this out. I hate this sin. I want to glorify him. And let that drive you to labor and growing in him, memorizing scripture, listening to his word, sharing the gospel. Every time you, I think every time you share the gospel, you grow spiritually. Mm. So keep doing it. Keep going. Um, be discipled. Be discipling. Jason has laid out a very simple plan to follow for the person who wants to get started in business as a Christian. But what about the fundamentals of Jason's business? How does it actually work? How do you be successful at sales and selling insurance? Well, Beginning a business and and or starting in a sales career, the highs are highs and the lows are low. Mm. When you have a good day, you're like, man, this is gonna work. We're on. One of the things that helped me tremendously was I was close to a person who had done what I was trying to do, and I would talk to them, and they would encourage me and say, man, I'm telling you, it works. Keep at it. That really helped, and for me to be able to look at a couple of people who had did what I was trying to do and say. Yep, it'll work. Stay steady at it. So another thing is there's no easy way in sales. You just got to grind it, and you <laughs> got to right. be tough. You got to be tough because mm-hmm. you're going to get told no a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, there's, you know, it, it's, it takes years down the road. for It's according to what you're selling. But for me, I was two and three years in, and it was going pretty good. And I was thinking, is this really working, mm-hmm. you know? But you just stay steady at it. If you if you if you can see a plan and you know it'll work, you just got to keep going. Um, I remember one time I'll tell you this funny story about it. <laughs> so when I first started, I was working out of the house and I would work lead cards. And with Medicare, you got as far as cold calling, certain products you can cold call with, but but certain ones that I sell you can't. So I was trying to do it in a in a God honoring way and obey the um, laws of men. So I would get these lead cards and they'd send a card back in saying they, did, saying they needed somebody to call them to help them through the Medicare process. Well, at this point, I'm selling out of my house in Wake Forest, but I sold all over. I got clients all over Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, all up in the mountains, all over. So this one particular day, evening, I usually did these at night in the evenings because I usually could catch people in the house. And, um, I, I would I would try to do seventy five a day people to talk to or at least call seventy five people and of those I'd get fifty voicemails I'd get ten hang ups I'd have shallow five conversations and then you'd usually have maybe two or three a day that were meaningful conversations that you could take notes I kept it in Outlook and follow up with them and I fought, found that if I would keep that up I figured out how many I needed to do and I just made myself do it but this particular evening it had been a long day. It was probably, it was getting later in the evening. And um, I, I had not, it had been a tough day. I had been rejected all day. And it was one of those days I'm like, Lord, this was right after we first moved up here to him. I'm like, Lord, what have you moved us here for? <laughs> you know, it was, I had a steady, good career going. And here we are. And I'm working the phone. So I called this one. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do this one more call. I called this one, um, it was up in the mountains somewhere, and this lady answered. And I said, Miss So-and-so, this is Jason Burgess, Senior Plan Advisors. Uh, you sent a card in. You know, I was kind of with that tone, wanting someone to uh, answer questions about your Medicare. And she said, we don't want any. And she hung up on me. And I thought, you know what? I sat there and I thought, 
I'm going to call back just to see what could happen. <laughs> I know that's a bad thing to do, but I needed some entertainment. I needed something to laugh at. So I called back, and her husband answered. I said, Mr. So-and-so, this is Jason Burge. I just called and talked to your wife, and I think she's mad at me. He's like, she ain't mad at you. She's mad at everything. <laughs> I said, and I could hear her in the background. Dogs were barking. She was hollering at the dogs. And and the guy, I said, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make her. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make her mad. He's like, shoot, don't feel sorry for her. Feel sorry for me. Shoot, I've been living with her for 40 years. <laughs> so that kind of stuff, that kind of helped me. You know, the humor of it. People are funny. Situations are funny. They're fascinating. They're stories. Um, enjoy the people that helps you know I love people sit down and they'll tell you their story mm. it's fascinating um, I've got clients everything from Egyptian um, refugees to um, African American tobacco farmers um, to rich white folk and their story all their stories are fascinating to me um, so I you know learn to love people and, and listen to them um Listen to what they have to say. Most people will tell you when you sit down with them what what they're struggling with or what there is important to them. If you'll listen to the first five minutes, they'll say two or three times what's important to them. And from there, you can go from there to serve them in a way that helps them. Now, what they think they may need may not be necessarily what's best for them, but you can use what they're struggling with or what their, what, what their fears are in a way to show them and lead them in what's best for them. So... Just love folks and stay at it. Stay encouraged. Um, be sure you have people you can talk to who have done it. Preferably Christ followers and to keep you encouraged. Mm -hmm. And know that, you know, if I can make this many calls and I can reach my sale goals this year and I can do that five years in a row, this is where we'll be. That's where it kept me encouraged was I could see it. I could see, man, this will work. I was convinced this will work if I stay steady at it. So Let's back up for a second to the shady business part and my own personal story. There's a wake of dead bodies that follows behind the trail that was my early business career. It wasn't until I fully understand how the gospel should impact my view of business that how I do business needed to change. What about you? How has the deceitfulness of sin found its way into how you operate your business? Listen to Jason's response to that. And the, the, with that, the other guys, we've talked about the guy who's just getting started. He's graduated. He's getting into insurance. He's getting into sales, period. What about the guy who, lastly, he's listening to this. He's been doing business maybe for 10 years, 20 years, and he's convicted. And he's saying, man, that's awesome. I wish I could be that guy, but I'm too far in. I've made too many mistakes, too many bad deals. He's listening to the, the doubt and the false lies that the gospel covers. What's your word? What's your last word to that guy who you're, you're looking at him, maybe you're the same age as him, kids, and he says, there's no way I can start over. I just got to keep doing the same shady business deals and live the same way. What's your word to him? Well, uh, first I would say, as far as shady business deals, stop them. If what you're doing is not honoring Christ, that's sin. And you don't want to, you don't want to sin against your Savior who took your penalty and who was your substitute where we should have been. So if you're doing anything that doesn't honor Christ, no matter what that is, secretly, what you're clicking on, clicking on or business dealings you're doing, stop it. And that may mean some sacrifices you need to make and get out of what business you are. Get in something you can honor Christ for. 
And I would say to whoever, too, that if you're thinking I'm, I'm not, make sure you don't just jump ship because of discontentment, you know, because you're tired of it. You know, a lot of us, especially entrepreneurial types, every few years we want something new. Um, be careful with that. Um, but if you can't honor Christ or you're in a situation in your work situation to where you're around some people or you have a relationship with someone that you shouldn't, you need to get out of there because your spiritual well-being and honoring Christ and your family is what's important, even if that means you have to go get two jobs. But then another thing, too, is just trust him. And I know that sounds generic. Just trust him. If he, He'll give you a peace and guide and direct you. But you also want to think about money. That's why I structure yourself to where you're not in a bunch of debt. It gives you freedom to give and to make moves. Um, try to get out of debt as quick as you can. Um, that opens up a lot of doors as far as um, entrepreneur or investments or even giving away. You know, if you want to go on a mission trip or help support a local, you know, whatever. Um, those uh, in Matthew 25, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, and he describes sheeps and goats. And he talks about in the end, he's going to look at the sheep, and he's going to look at the goats. And what he's going to say to the goats is, you didn't clothe me when I was naked. You didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't house me when I was homeless. And they say, when were you that? And he says, when it was to the least of these. So he literally used how we're treating those type people to see if we're followers here or not. That's very, been very convicting to me. Um, we're going through a study on compassion at church, and um, I'm helping teach a class on it. And so I've been doing a lot of study on it. It's really been convicting about, am I structured in my life to where when I stand before Christ, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. When you saw those in need, you helped. So, and that being said, as far as how we structure our lives and our debt and our, um, just our lifestyles, um, you know, living in a lifestyle in a way that you're not spending more than you got and you can save some and you can help folks. But that also gives you freedom. Like we said, you're not in too deep. You're never in too deep. Now, if you're getting into your 70s, it's probably not the time to do it. <laughs> but I'm 47. So, you know, you if you're, you can, you can still do this. You can still do this. Um, find somebody that's doing what you want to do, that's a follower of Christ, and talk to them about it. What is the Christian understanding of work? It is that work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. It is, or it should be, the full expression of the worker's faculties, the medium in which he offers himself to God. That's from Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor. As you've listened to Jason, you may be thinking, what, I, what do I do with all of this? How do I change? You first need to understand the most crucial character of this story is Jesus. Who Jason is, what he does, and how he does it is all a response to what Jesus has already done for Jason. Whoever you are and wherever you are, Jesus offers you a better way to do life. He offers you himself. For the believers listening today, let Jason inspire you to reach higher for the glory of God. But if you're not a Christian today, remember what Jason said. Stop where you are. You are never too far gone. Follow Jesus today. 
repent of your sins, and from doing life your own way and fully submit to doing it Jesus' way. I'm Ethan Drum, and this is Christians You Should Know.